Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist has run into some resistance from City Council on everything from board appointments to plans to do a property revaluation and a variety of other projects involving American Rescue Plan funds. We spoke with him about the property revaluation resolution that was voted down, as well as discussing new appointments to the Board of Public Utilities, what's happening with the state budget where Jamestown is concerned, and more. We have Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist here in studio with us this morning. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning, Julia. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So we'll start... Right off with uh, Monday night was city council's voting session. Council unanimously voted down the proposal to do a property revaluation in the city. Council president Tony Dole saying it wasn't the right time. So what are your thoughts and reactions to this and where do we go from here? Well, it certainly was no surprise that the council was going to vote down the reevaluation. We we had had a lot of conversation with various council members about it. We completely understand that. You know, we understand the the circumstances going around, but I think the intention for us was to raise that conversation, not only for the council, but for the community. Because the longer you wait to do a a revaluation in the community, the larger the sticker shock becomes. And we're getting dangerously close to the point where the state might come in and say, you have to do one anyways. Uh, It's been quite a long time, uh, decades since we've had a revaluation and most communities across the state will do one every couple of years uh, so that you have a more accurate picture. Uh, but you know, certainly the cost was low enough this year that we thought this would be a great time to try to do that. Uh, the cost will go up as the data starts to age out uh, for our revaluation modeling. Uh, so we'll, we'll see double the cost uh, for any revaluations done. Um, the last time we did a revaluation cost, I think, just around a million dollars for the city in order to do one. So the longer we wait, the more expensive we get. Uh, but certainly we understand the concerns. I think those concerns of council members were valid. Uh, but you know, our team thought it was important to raise that issue, uh, to have that conversation with the community and with the council so that uh, you know we don't get that sticker shock down the road when we're forced to do it by the state. Right. So this is something that uh, Jason Sample and I have been talking about on the air where I didn't think there was a requirement, uh, but you're saying that there is a requirement that the state says you have to do this within so many years or time periods? There's no requirement, but oftentimes the uh, real property assessor's office uh, for the state will come down and say, hey, you really need to do these things. Your data is aging out. Or uh, sometimes they'll be indicated in uh, audits by the comptroller's office uh, as well. And there have been times where the state has come in and said, okay, we want almost every community to do a revaluation. And sometimes there's funds attached to it, which is great. And, And sometimes they're not. Uh, you know, we uh, we have a new governor. We've got a lot of new people in certain positions, and uh, we're not quite sure what the priorities are going to be yet. Uh, but, you know, we don't want things to be a shock to our community and to our council, so we try to raise those issues in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, President uh, Dole mentioned maybe trying to do this in-house, hiring some temporary people using ARP funds. Do you think this is a smart use of those funds to use to try to do this in-house in terms of so you can not have to pay out 
what would now be since it didn't get passed last night like $685,000 for an outside group to do this? Well, uh, last night's for the revaluation would cost us about two eighty-five dollars uh, to, to completely do. Uh, but, you know, certainly if you wanted to do in-house, you'd really need to staff up and you would need to be able to have the people and pay people that are really going to be able to understand the modeling that's required as part of this. Uh, to pay an outside consultant uh, to do that, to complete that, do it all for us, is a lot cheaper than hiring employees with pension costs and uh, other costs that the city has to pay. And that's been evidenced by the council in many different employment decisions. Uh, but the reality is, uh, you know, I, I always I often joke, a lot of people think that the city has a lot of workers. Uh, we don't. <laughs> Our assessment office has uh, one, uh, one assessor, one appraiser, and uh, a part-time clerk. So it's really not, uh, you know, for, I think we have 14,000 parcels in the city. Uh, you know, it's not a lot. And uh, that is, uh, it's always interesting to see. So we would really have to staff up, staff up and add uh, a lot of people in order to uh, completely evaluate every parcel in the city. Mm -hmm. Moving on to another topic. Uh, council did approve your appointments of Tamu Graham Reinhardt and Tom Nelson to the Jamestown Board of Public Utilities Board. So... Reactions today to that? Uh, well, I am glad that the council has uh, made a decision on my appointments. Uh, as you and your listeners may remember, uh, we had put in other uh, citizen appointments uh, to the board. Uh, they had voted those down, uh, which uh, was unfortunate considering these are volunteer positions uh, to these boards and we really want our, uh, our folks to reflect the community. Uh, so uh, we recircled. Uh, tried to have some additional conversations and, and understand uh, what the council would be looking for. Uh, and so I put up uh, two names of individuals that have worked with all of those council members before uh, and uh, you know have not gotten really any feedback besides they were approved last night. Uh, so you know it's uh, I, I feel bad because we want more people to step up and join boards and commissions, uh, but it's hard uh, when we, ask those people to do it, appoint them to those, and council votes them down. Uh, so we're having a really difficult time trying to understand, and, and I ask our council members to give us some feedback on those things. Uh, but we're gonna keep pushing forward, and you know, as I, as I stated many times, uh, we want our boards and commissions to reflect our community, and we'll continue to put people up uh, that can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the people that was, uh, well, on that board previously, uh, Greg Rapp, who also chaired the board, uh, had said he wanted to be reappointed and then noticed this morning he put a post on social media saying he, he was deeply disappointed about not being reappointed despite his qualifications. And he had made the statement that, that he had never been treated so badly in my long life of professional and public service. And can we have your thoughts on that? Because obviously Greg Rapp is someone who also had worked with the majority of the people on city council. Was there a reasoning behind why he was not reappointed, you know, given, you know, he did have experience and uh, you know, sitting on the board before and obviously he, differences of experience between him and Tamu and Tom are, I wouldn't say great, but, but what was the reasoning there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I very much uh, support all the work that Greg Rabb has done over the years. Uh, and Greg continues to serve on our planning commission, uh, strategic planning, as well as 
um, various other boards and commissions uh, throughout the city and in the county and has done a phenomenal job in his work as a community advocate over the years. Uh, you know, I, I'm really not going to comment on the reasons uh, why uh, we make appointments for, for various different reasons and, and try to uh, make sure that all our boards and commissions kind of align with where the administration is going. And, uh, you know, again, I thank Greg and uh, Jim Olson, who was also on the board uh, for their, their hard work and dedication over the years, uh, but just not the direction that we want to move uh, those, those boards and commissions into. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak for what uh, Greg has to say uh, about the situation, uh, but, um, you know, we are, we're going to continue moving forward and we're you know, excited to have Greg on some other boards and commissions that really play a very impactful role in the work we do here in the city. Uh, well, it was a voting session last night. There's always a work session that happens before the voting session. And one of the things that was discussed that did not come up uh, for a vote was uh, this reapportionment commission. And uh, just, there was some discussion about, well, that needs to be, there people need to be appointed to this. When does that need to happen? Can you tell us what is going on with that? Is this, we're, we're kind of in the middle of drawing lines for everything. <laughs> it seems like either at the state level, and I know the county has started at their level as too. Yeah, absolutely. Drawing lines everywhere. I'm trying to remember what age we start to learn to draw in the lines, right? Maybe that's uh, <laughs> kindergarten or, or whatnot. But uh, uh, yeah, so the reapportionment commission is something that comes about every 10 years. Uh, it is happening not only on the state level, but the county level and happens at the city level as well. Uh, our city charter provides that a commission uh, be created to help draw the political boundary lines for each ward. Uh, to determine the number of council members and, and other uh, factors uh, that go into based on population and other demographics. Uh, that commission uh, will be appointed. Uh, there are members that get appointed by the mayor's office. Uh, other folks that serve on there would be uh, um, two council members, appointments from each uh, various uh, party that had uh, received the highest number of votes in the last gubernatorial election. I don't understand how that works, uh, but... In this case, it's the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Conservative Party each get a person on that commission, uh, as well as the city attorney, a member of the Jamestown Bar Association, uh, and a couple other folks. So that uh, committee has been assembled. Uh, I have put forth my appointments as mayor uh, for that committee. Uh, I think we're still waiting on uh, one appointment from one of the political parties. Uh, so the the council is uh, has held off on making any of the appointments um, it does need to meet by May 1st uh, per the charter. Uh, so I think the council will be uh, trying to get all those squared away by next month, uh, understanding that we're still waiting on, uh, I believe it's the Conservative Party to uh, provide a, a, a candidate for that board. Uh, and just to make sure that everything is uh, is squared away, that we have everyone we need for that commission. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to tell us uh, who your appointments are? Certainly, yeah. We've, uh, we've already submitted those uh, to council. Uh, typically, the... Uh, council uh, votes on the mayoral appointments, and I believe that they're going to uh, have the clerk read all of the appointments at the uh, next um, uh, voting session, so they vote as one. Uh, but from uh, from my side as mayoral appointments, um, we've appointed Alan DeTanto, uh, Alyssa Porter, and uh, Billy Torres uh, as the mayoral appointments to the reapportionment commission. Okay, yeah, well, Billy's uh, the, a new county legislator, so someone who is one way or another going to be affected probably by the lines. So yeah, so, okay. Certainly so, yes. Uh, although there's a county commission that will, mm -hmm. that will handle those, but uh, from the city perspective, uh, you know, we, uh, we definitely want to make sure 
uh, that we've got good people there that want to help us understand where the new boundary should be. Moving on to another topic, your office uh, had sent out a press release on Friday on the news that the State Office of Community Renewal had approved the City and Strong Start Chautauqua, the Chautauqua County Health Network, and the Chautauqua Center's application for grant funding. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what this funding's about? Absolutely. We were beyond ecstatic to receive uh, just under a million dollars in funding that directly goes to uh, community projects as part of the city. Uh, well, one of those will be uh, for a uh, community health initiative uh, to provide more information on uh, safe community practices, vaccines, uh, and other uh, community needs and health. Uh, very excited about that. More to come. I think we're going to be having uh, its own separate kind of press conference and information on it. Uh, we've also uh, received a grant to help support uh, the um Chautauqua Center in the expansion of the work that they are doing uh, in the expansion of their various programs. Uh, and uh, we also received a grant to help support uh, the Strong Starts uh, Chautauqua, which will focus actually a lot of its work on Jamestown. Uh, Strong Starts is a wonderful program that has been in existence and really a model for the rest of New York State uh, to help identify uh, issues with alcohol and drug use um, pre-pregnancy uh, and in children ages uh, zero to five uh, by utilizing their pediatrician networks to help screen individuals in advance and, and get the supports that those individuals need, whether that's the mother or the child, uh, to make sure that they have, uh, for lack of a better term, a strong start, right, uh, in their first uh, five years of life. So really incredible programs, incredible work uh, being done in each of those areas. And we were very excited as a city to be able to uh, support those projects, uh, to write grants uh, for those, become partners in it, uh, and receive, like I said, just under a million dollars of grant funding. Speaking of writing grants, uh, you have a new shared grant writer and uh, Paula Pashone. So was she involved in this process? Paula was involved in the process. Yeah, we were very excited to have a shared grant writer. Uh, Paula is our newest employee at City Hall, and she works uh, with both the city and JCC uh, to uh, write grants, help us uh, find, assess, and write grants, as well as doing some follow-up and tracking on those. Uh, and certainly, uh, she is uh, she's paid for herself. Not many positions do, but Paula does. Uh, at, at this point in the last uh, couple months that she has been employed with the city, and I, I think we are going on three months, um, we've already brought in um, upwards to almost $3 million uh, in various grants. Uh, I think it was somewhere around 2 point something million, uh, which uh, is absolutely huge. And with the federal funding coming down the pipeline uh, for various infrastructure bills, both federal and state, uh, to have a, a grant writer that has those federal and state connections already uh, and uh, can has proven that she can be very successful in writing grants, we are very, very excited to have her. And um, we've heard from JCC too that um, her skills have been uh, well above par and they're very, very pleased uh, with her work. Mm -hmm. And you're mentioning about you know, that federal money and it's something I keep asking uh, County Executive Wendell about is like, have you heard any more from the feds about uh, how municipalities are gonna be able to apply for this infrastructure money? Is anything new come about with it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the state has various programs that they will receive federal funding and pushing out. And so those sometimes actually take a lot longer for us to get information. Uh, but the White House recently released uh, its plan for the infrastructure bill 
uh, and where each funding source is going to come from and which federal department is going to administer it, as well as an estimated timeline of when uh, each program is going to be coming out. Uh, so our team has already gone through that. Uh, it's quite a large book uh, of different funding sources uh, as there was a you know, high, huge financial package involved. Uh, however, we've already gone through, we've identified uh, the various programs that we want to apply for, put together a calendar of when we should expect the, uh, the notices to be out. Uh, so we're on the lookout, we're ready to go. Uh, we're just prepping each program so it's in a, a spot where we can get that ready for our grant writer. Uh, and so we're, we're prepared, we're ready, and uh, we're expecting to have some uh, pretty big federal grants and state grants coming down the pipeline for us. Great. Uh, one of the things we always uh, talk about at the county level is just how, if there's money that can be received through the infrastructure bill, that you know how that is that does that later on down the road affect the American Rescue Plan funds they get, and does it allow you to reallocate maybe something you looked at maybe that would have fallen under like broadband sewer and, and, and that kind of thing and say okay we're going to redesignate those funds there towards something else is that something that you're looking at absolutely yeah um, we're, we're always looking to see if there are other funding sources available that we can free up some of the american rescue plan funds right the rescue plan funds have the uh, largest flexibility so if we can uh, move programs into another grant-funded opportunity, whether that's an infrastructure fund and, and however you want to quantify it or classify it, uh, we will certainly do so, uh, so that we can free that funding up and go to other categories, right, that are, that are critical to the city, um, whether that is housing or mental health or any other uh, piece in between, you know, we certainly are, are looking at those, those items. Uh, but we recognize that the uh, American Rescue Plan funds have a shelf life. Right, we can we can only go to 2024, and then you know to to commit funds and spend by 2026. So depending on how long some of those grant programs are or the strings attached, sometimes it's easier to use rescue plan uh, funding than the cost to administer other grant programs. And mm -hmm. uh, housing, speaking of housing and American Rescue Plan funds, it seems like that is going to be a focus by city council start in March at least for their work sessions as they express concerns over some of the um, rescue plan funds that were on the t they were on the agenda last night for, under new business for the city council to vote on for some economic development initiatives and they want to go back to the table and talk about them some more it sounds like so where do you do you have anything that in terms of where you're looking at obviously your, your administration has you know where you want to put money but where are where do you think you're going to go from here with um, what they're saying? I mean, what, did you have something already planned for housing that hadn't just been brought up yet because you were taking piece by piece? Or yeah, we've been working on a lot of these plans. Uh, you know, we are we have been taking those piece by piece because we have uh, found in talking with the council that that's easier to kind of digest. Uh, so we were going to do kind of five programs at a time, right, and try to and push those out and allow the public to provide some comment, allow the council to provide some comment. Um, we're now hearing that the council would like us to shift our focus uh, to, to neighborhoods, which we are completely fine with. Uh, but we've got to remember that we need to be able to walk and chew gum all at the same time, right? And by that, I mean, uh, we need to be able to not only support our businesses that are struggling, right? To make sure that there are jobs because people need jobs in order to stay in the houses that they've got, right? Uh, so it's a, it's a two for one approach. So as we start to look at supporting our businesses, and we're not just talking about downtown businesses, we're talking about our small businesses across the city uh, that do wanna expand, that do wanna bring new jobs. 
Uh, we can talk about that. We can create programs for that at the same time, creating these large scale neighborhood programs. Uh, so if the direction from council now is that they wanna see the neighborhood programs, we'll do both at the same time and recognizing that both are extremely important for the vitality of our community. Uh, we just needed some direction. We had gotten original direction to move towards business. Now we've gotten direction to move toward neighborhoods. We're gonna do both, we're gonna push both uh, and hopefully get some additional direction from, from council on how things should go. All right, and that work session will happen on uh, Monday, March 7th, so we'll we'll stay tuned for that for sure. So It's like an epic battle over here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it stay is. tuned for more. Stay tuned for more. <laughs> hey, well, you know, people might think that government is dry, but really when it comes down to it, it all affects you, as I always say. So continuing to talk about money, it is officially March, and the clock is running down for the state legislature to pass the state budget. We've heard, you know, repeatedly from different people, you know, well, the city's not getting that $1 million in, in additional state aid to Jamestown in, the, in this budget. So what else are you hearing about the state budget and what is or isn't in there for the city? Well, uh, you know, there's not the one thing that was typically in the budget for the city has been this additional $1 million in aid. Uh, we knew at some point that was going to run out. That was very clear. There was a shelf life on it. Uh, in our discussions with the budget office uh, this year, uh, they had mentioned the fact that you know, with the lost revenue uh, that we have received from the American Rescue Plan funds, they didn't see a path forward for the budget office to add that additional million dollars. You know, our, our general financial position of the city has not changed if you take out the rescue plan funds. We're still very much the same, except for the fact we have seen increases in uh, sales tax and other things, which has been phenomenal. Uh, but that's not always sustainable, right? Given the given inflation and other things that are uh, occurring, uh, so we we did make the case to try to include that uh, in the understanding that if it was included, we would uh, rec not recognize it the next year. Um, however, they've uh, obviously have thought of other things, uh, but uh, the that's okay, you know. And I think we're going to be all right, uh, given the fact that we have the rescue plan funds that can help carry us through. At the same time, working on economic development initiatives, uh, which will provide uh, more uh, business, more opportunity here in the city. You, those things kind of go hand in hand. When you're talking about the state budget, uh, it, is, uh, it is a mix of, of all kinds of things, right? A, a potpourri, if you will. Uh, but we are, uh, we are excited to see where it's going to go. Typically, uh, once it passes the executive budget, goes to the legislature, the legislature tends to add and remove various things. So we're still following that closely to see where the jockeying is going from the legislature. And we still continue to advocate for additional funding uh, for the city. Uh, but it's looking like we might receive it in other areas. Uh, the New York Conference of Mayors, which I was just at uh, not too long ago, a couple weekends ago, uh, we have been pushing very, very hard for an increase in aid to municipalities. So the city receives about $4 million in, uh, in aid to municipality, kind of an unrestricted aid each year from the state. Uh, that has not changed for probably like a decade or more. And uh, when you add kind of cost of living adjustment, um, we should probably be at an additional million dollars, uh, which would make up for the million dollars uh, as we kind of figured out uh, as, as working through uh, with uh, the New York Conference of Mayors and others. Uh, so we are advocating for a, a cost of living adjustment uh, for the aid to municipalities. Uh, we are uh, we're feeling very confident in terms of the legislatures agreeing that this should be kind of this one-time adjustment. Uh, we're not sure yet if that's going to get added 
<clears throat> excuse me, to the final bills, uh, but uh, there is hope uh, in that. We're also seeing a sustained increase in uh, street funding, so chips, uh, highway, uh, and other funding. Uh, so we're, we're excited to see that. Uh, and there's been a continued discussion, although we had hoped a couple of years back this would have been fixed. Uh, we have a highway fund. Uh, so we have funding for arterial maintenance uh, for state roads in the city. Uh, that has not changed since the 80s, the reimbursement rate for that. Uh, so we have been continuing to push uh, for an up upgrade in that amount uh, as well. Uh, this year seems promising. There was a bill introduced to raise that amount. Uh, it is moving through uh, the various uh, you know, branch of government, uh, legislative branch. Uh, so we're, we're kind of waiting and seeing uh, what's going on. Uh, there have been a lot of discussions on some other things that have just been added to the governor's bill. Uh, things like bills on uh, government ethics, uh, as well as um, other bills we've requested through NICOM, the New York Conference of Mayors, uh, to have a, a, an easier water and sewer fund. So the city has access to loans primarily uh, for a water investment fund. We've been a recipient of both grants and loan funds for that, but it is ungodly complicated. Uh, and in some cases, I can get a cheaper loan if I just go to a regular bank uh, in terms of interest rate. So we have been advocating, and, and uh, I'm on the, the New York Conference of Mayors Finance Policy Committee, uh, and we've been advocating to create a, a drawdown fund for water and sewer. So any municipality that has the water or sewer pipes that they maintain that uh, similar to our road repair model, we can draw that down from a state fund uh, and apply it directly to maintenance and repair. The reason for that is because when you have a program that you can do the same thing on roads and the same thing for water and sewer, you can now combine the two programs. And while you're remilling and removing the roads, you can fix the water and sewer so that we don't have to do what we do now, which is one year we've replaced the road and then we've got to cut a big hole in the road in order to fix the water and sewer. Uh, not because it, it wasn't coordinated, it's because it's all based on when funding comes through in, in some cases or when water main breaks, right? Uh, so to be able to coordinate that better uh, is, a, is a goal of many of the mayors, including, including our city. That would, yeah, I, mean, I, I can't think of how many times we've seen one project happen and then the next year a different project happens and, and people ask, why? Why is this happening now? Then they just redo that nice road. And so that makes, that gives some perspective and makes sense of why that is. So that, it makes me angry. It makes you angry. It makes the citizens angry. I understand that. And uh, it's something that we're trying to fix. Hopefully we can get the funding to fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that came up last night, there was a, um, a citizen who came in and asked questions about the Cathedral Oaks on uh, West 3rd Street. These are the trees that unfortunately had to be uh, taken down by the city at the end of uh, 2020. And it seems like there is some movement going forward with what is going to happen with that block, that area. Yeah, there was a citizen. I, I swear we didn't uh, uh, plant him in the audience, uh, but we have been working uh, very diligently to uh, redesign the Third Street area. And as you and your listeners may remember, it was one of the projects included in the American Rescue Plan funds, a complete redesign of it. Uh, and in many cases, we've been holding off on the design because we were waiting for council to approve a master plan. Uh, and that didn't happen until December, right, of 2021. 
Uh, we are now in uh, February. Well, if you're listening to this, it's probably now March, uh, but uh, or beginning of March. March. <laughs> it's March first. Never mind. Uh, we uh, we're now in March, right? So only a couple months afterwards, and we're ready to roll out the design because we know that the funding will most likely be there, and we can um, get some of that council support for this. Uh, what we are doing though is something a little different than our normal road construction projects. We recognize how important the third street kind of oaks and streetscape has been to the community. Uh, so I've uh, challenged our uh, our public works and our planning department uh, to do public hearings, public meetings on this, and to go directly to the neighborhood uh, in order to do so. So what we should start seeing is we'll we'll put an initial design in front of council, uh, most likely at that first work session in March, which is just a draft. And then we intend on having a, a public meeting in the neighborhood, in that ward. Uh, so everyone in that area should probably get some door hangers, door tags to let them know a public meeting or maybe a postcard to let them know something's coming where they can come one night and see the design that we're looking at. Give some feedback before we finalize it uh, and f uh, set the pricing. But we do want people to know that this is uh, not as simple as saying, okay, we need some new streets and new sidewalks. We're talking about complete new lighting. We're talking about new tree planting. We're talking about new sidewalks. We're talking about running the electric underneath uh, the road and the sidewalks, right? So there's a lot of different components and a lot of different departments that all come together uh, in this way, you know? And we're also talking about how do we evaluate this for a kind of complete streets model, right? Can we make it more bike friendly? Do we have to look at the intersections? Can we widen them, uh, those intersections a little bit, uh, or should we bump them out, right? To make it a little bit more pedestrian friendly. All things that we are going through that process now, and we want the public's input. So like I said, unlike a street that we might just kind of fix, right? This one is a, is a big deal for the community and for that area, and we recognize that. So we wanna make sure that we have the public's input before we finalize any designs. Mm -hmm. Financing wise, with the plan, I know there was a, at least a plan to use some American Rescue Plan monies, but there was community support as well. Was it, am I correct in thinking that there was grant monies possibly being made available to this? There are, there are grant monies for the trees, uh, for the most part, for the planting of the trees. Uh, that has been something that the uh, Community Foundation has indicated uh, to us. You know, unfortunately, we're probably not going to see those large oak trees uh, replanted. We will have a variety of other trees uh, that will go down that street, most likely. That'll be part of the public meeting. We'll show you kind of what trees we're, we're thinking of. Uh, we probably won't have them in, uh, in hand, but we'll, we'll show you pictures and information about them. Uh, but, you know, certainly we want to try to reinvent that, uh, that corridor. And we're excited about it, truly. In terms of anything else that we've covered a wide variety of topics this morning, but is there anything else that is happening in city government that you'd like to give us an update on? Oh my God. How much time do you have? Can we keep going for a while? I don't, we, we could there's go. so <laughs> much, there's so much. Uh, we, uh, we do want to folks, we want folks to be on the lookout for, uh, some opportunities to receive test kits, uh, within the community. Um, not everyone, uh, has health insurance and not everyone can afford test kits. Uh, so we have been partnering with the county and various agencies not to have locations to provide test kits for that you can get for free for you and your family. These are at-home test kits. Uh, and there's usually about two kits in a box. Uh, as your listeners may remember, we did a lot of handouts of those and they went very quickly. 
Uh, we've now received another shipment from the, uh, from the county and we're partnering with them to hand out the test kits. Uh, when I say we have a lot, we have a lot. I think we have something like 5,000 kits that we got, uh, we got sent to us. Uh, so we'll be pushing that information out just for folks to be on the lookout. Uh, we want the, the community to, to stay healthy as we, as we move through this process. Mayor Sunquist, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks so much for having me, Julia.